You're listening to a podcast of Business News Background. A weekly roundup of the big stories here in Western Australia. Brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. Welcome along to another edition of Business News Background. I'm James Lush from Lush Digital. With us uh, today, uh, we have Mark, Mark Panel, uh, Mark Byers still away, uh, Tim Tregold, the reporter with Business News is with us as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Let's start with um, some big stories of the week. There was some, I suppose, real interest around this week. But first of all, Mark, the, the Navitas story, uh, always regarded as one of WA's finest, uh, a great investment. Uh, it's done very well over the years. But this week, they've had a... Uh, a bit of a tumultuous week in many respects. Yeah, a very serious week, I think you'd call it. Uh, I think the share price came off about a third uh, after news that one of their largest universities they deal with, uh, Macquarie, Macquarie University, um, was no longer going to use um, or, or exclusively use Navitas' services in getting students, um, basically as foreign students, that come up to speed for the Australian university system. Uh, and they're going to, Macquarie's going to go it alone and set up its own operation to do that. And of course, um, Navitas has become a, a really a major company and an international company, um, very a big success story out of WA, based on providing this kind of service to many uh, universities, firstly in Australia and now around the world. So, uh, you know, the market reacted, mm-hmm. A, Macquarie's an important cog in that whole system, and secondly, does this mean that others might want to do it too? And I guess there's a background story here that you've got the university sector itself in a bit of trouble, it's uh, it's, it's also being deregulated, so potentially they're looking at uh, improving their own business models and cutting costs and doing all sorts of things. So, uh, dramatic day, they did recover a bit yesterday, um, but you know, I think Rod Jones, who's one of you know WA's wealthiest people, would have uh, would have suffered a little bit yes. in his personal ba- bank balance as well. Yeah, Tim, did, is this a case of potentially having too many eggs in one basket? Do you think? I think it's a warning to anyone running a contracting business that if you don't look after your best contracts, uh, you can get into very serious trouble. We've seen this many times in the mine services area, where companies uh, become overly reliant on a single customer yeah. or single contract, and if they lose that contract, they are in very very deep trouble. The second problem they've got is that once that sort of thing happens and you lose a major contract, you come under margin compression. In other words, the profit margin starts to get squeezed and that's the long-term problem for everyone in contracting, including Navitas. What also does it does potentially for others? It, you know, when, when one big company does something like this and they say, you know, we're going to look elsewhere, does it make others think, oh, maybe we should consider that too? Absolutely, and I think that will be happening right now. Uh, Universities, by and large, are government agencies. They might not like to hear that, but they are, and they're getting squeezed, and they are having to look at how can they cut costs, and we're in a period of prime cost-cutting ground is contracting. Interesting, education obviously over the years has been very competitive. Navitas seems to have fared pretty well over the years. Is this maybe just the sort of the balancing of that somewhat, do you think, Mark? Look, potentially. And I mean, you don't you don't want to jump the gun. I think uh, on the flip side, Navitas's shares had gone up 
uh, well, 25 or 30% or so over the last year. Maybe not quite that much, but I know the last time Rod Jones sold out some shares about a year ago, they were at about 5.50 and now they're about 5.15 after going up to well over $7. So, yeah. you know, maybe the market got it, got ahead of itself anyway. It's been announcing lots and lots of good news stories. And I have to say, in there's also Australia is a mature market for Navitas. It's done very well here and been doing very well for well over a decade. It's been it started penetrating the U.S., North America, and a few, and, and done quite well in Britain. So maybe the maybe the the green shoots in the U.S. Uh, are where the growth is, rather than um, Australia. So maybe we're just seeing what you normally see in markets. They just hmm. they just change. Let's look at another story from the week. Um, we had a, a very important visitor this week. Uh, the Prime Minister of Japan, Abe, was up in uh, the Pilbara, also in Perth doing the rounds, obviously mixing with the right people. How important was that, do you think, Mark? Oh, look, I think it's very significant. Um, first of all, Tony Abbott just generally has been, was sort of, before he became Prime Minister, was was sort of used as a his foreign affairs experience and the, and the likelihood of him not being very good at that was, uh, was one of the weaknesses that Labor tried to expose. Mm-hmm. So I think he's gone on the front foot with um, the things he's done around Indonesia and with Japan. And I think Japan's very willing partner in that. Uh, they want to um, shore up their connections with Australia. They see China as as their big uh, competitor when it comes to resources. Um, and I think it's the the strength in this is we're seeing this the the evolution rapid evolution of a free trade agreement with Japan, which which for all intents and purposes, from what I understand, is going to be a much more liberal uh, version than what Japan's done with others. It's been a long time in the making, but I think as we as Japan gets more keen on such things and keeping Australia in its camp, I think we might see some really positive uh, outcomes there. Um, I don't know how much that means for the minerals sector. I think it's probably more the agriculture sector that we might see. I think the trip up to the Pilbara was more about actually a Japanese Prime Minister visiting the the one place that they've probably had more to do with in in Australia for 40 years than any other. Um, Or 50 years is it now? Mm -hmm. I mean, they basically underwrote the development up there. What what about your thoughts on this, Tim? Uh, Is this WA, is this Australia now recognising maybe we, (laughs) talking about eggs in one basket, was very much China focused. Is this very much a case of let's do all we can to have other interests now and and do what we can with Japan in particular? The the interest with Japan has never gone away. Uh, China is the new player on the block, and we are signalling to Asia that we want to do business with yep. more than one country. So welcoming China back into the fold has tremendous business implications and political implications. We can't ignore the fact that China is, ex- is um, showing its muscles in the South China Sea. It's annoying Japan. Um, we are now going to try and walk that tightrope Uh, that Switzerland walks between competing interests and we're going to develop uh, bigger and better trading relationships with everyone. It's going to be a very dangerous uh, time, but it's going to be very interesting. Especially at the moment. I think we're awful at it, but uh, (laughs) we're we're going to give it a go. And we are the supplier of materials that these countries want. Now, how far are those countries going to go in uh, saying to Australia, if you annoy us, we won't buy your raw material, to which case we can say, well, go and buy it from somewhere else and pay more. What would uh, the conversation in China have been this week, do you think, Tim? 
more annoyance um, because some of the comments Abbott made about uh, Jap- the Japanese military, which really got up their nose. Um, but the Chinese are proving to be very sensitive over silly issues. I, I saw them once referred to as a, uh, a malformed giant. They've got a huge economy, but their ability to deal with the rest of the world is not very good. Mm. And we're going through those growing pains as China mm. reaches out but, and but learns Australia how to behave. Aren't, Australia aren't doing that particularly well at the moment either, are they? No, but we're better at sport. <laughs> Tim Treadgold with his opinions uh, this morning. Mark Panel with us as well. It's James Lush from Lush Digital as we look at business news background. Another story this week, of course, uh, the ongoing saga in the Senate and uh, uh, Mr Palmer throwing his weight around, uh, to, to, to coin a pun, but uh, he's blocking the carbon tax for the time being, Mark. And oh, Mr sorry, Palmer too. has an awful lot of weight to throw around. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to have lost a little as well. I don't know. I mean, he was, he, he was pretty large, but he's still large. But anyway, Mark, your thoughts on throwing his weight around? Oh, look, you know. He loves it, doesn't I, he? I think he does. And, I mean, it, it's 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 kind of amusing and it would be very entertaining if it wasn't so important. But, you know, I think he, of all people, is, you know, he's a coal miner or wants to be a coal miner. He's in the mining business. He He's anti the carbon tax and yet he's the one blocking it over a whole bunch of things that are either we're not sure whether it's incompetence or whether it's uh, confusion or whether it's just trying to be populist and look at me, look at me, get the attention. Yeah. Um, it's look, good publicity I, for him and his party. Look, it, it shows if he leaves it to the, the, the next time, it just shows how important he is, I suppose. And I think people are waking up to the fact that whether they know what he's going to do or not, he is he is important and he's trying to make that point. But uh, look, um, you know, I think we had an awful lot of this kind of thing, not quite the Clive Palmer thing, but this, you know, toing and froing and confusion under Gillard and under Rudd. Um, I think we were all hoping to see the end of it under Abbott and now we're seeing it again and it's just disappointing from a national perspective. Yeah. The public lose you know, out, pe- People should get on with what they yeah, said yeah. they're going to get on with and uh, anyway, that's, that's a personal opinion but Tim. all good fun. What you need to do with Mr Palmer is look back into the history and recognise that he was once very close to Joe Bjorki-Peterson when he was Premier of Queensland. Joe was very, very good at diverting people away from issues. He used to call it feeding the chooks. So there'd be a big issue somewhere politically in Queensland and Joe would divert by talking about something completely different. Mr Palmer has a very, very serious issue on his hands in the form of the court case against him being mounted by Citic, his iron ore partner, and there is very interesting evidence coming out in courts in WA and Queensland by changing the direction of the conversation to more one of politics. Very few people are today looking at what's going on in the court case over the Mm. missing $12 million in a bank account. So are we in fact looking at a Joe Bielke-Peterson feeding the chooks moment on behalf of Clive? You think this is a personal diversion tactic? I have absolutely no doubt it's a personal diversion tactic and it's working. Look, I think the only thing that I wonder about the politics of this is in whose interest is it Mm -hmm. to get to this point where we might have another election? I just, at the moment, Clive probably thinks it is in his interest. He thinks he can get more votes, but the stuff that Tim's talking about and also once people start getting irritated by this it could work against him so uh, you know that's the bit that makes me wonder I, when I would he gets th- irritated he just walks out of interviews doesn't yeah he? well that's right uh, and that doesn't even get picked <laughs> up in many respects it's bizarre yeah yeah it gets yeah anyway Let's um, let's turn our attention to next week now, instead of uh, looking at this week, and in particular t- to the paper which comes out on Monday. Uh, Tim, you've got a big feature in there looking at uh, total shareholder uh, returns and, and a survey of some of the big ones. And uh, 
uh, what, is there a, rather than go through the whole lot and looking at the sort of the top 200 kind of thing what what theme what pattern do you see a remarkable theme in that the top performing stocks in WA in the la- over the last 12 months were tech stocks. They weren't miners. Uh, there yeah. are some uh, names people have never heard of, have done very well, and have genuine tech products. There are also some which are technically tech stocks but have products which I suspect will never see the light of day. The best performer, and it's been there for some time and unnoticed, is a company with uh, an alphabet name. It's OBJ Limited. Uh, I'd never heard of it until I started doing this exercise and discovered it's actually got real credentials, particularly in that its product, which is um, hard to describe, it uses a form of physics in magnetism to uh, get molecules deeper into your skin. Uh, Sounds odd, but Procter & Gamble, GlaxoSmithKline and Coty, three of the biggest pharmaceutical and cosmetics companies in the world, have signed up to use it. Right. Um, and this is from a little Perth company has uh, mm. has come up with this product. The other one, which is really interesting, is a company called Structural Monitoring Systems. Once again, local company comes up with a product which appears to be better at detecting cracks in. Um, in products such as um, uh, aeroplane fuselages and wings. Uh, it's a very smart product and it too is being used. It's being trialled by Delta Airlines in the States and being closely assessed by American aviation authorities. It is a very interesting product. Uh, these are two of the best performing companies, much better than most of the mining companies. And pretty small. Small. Uh, OBJ's capitalization has actually gone up to over $100 million and no wow. one's really noticed it. Wow. Uh, structural monitoring is smaller, but but um, they are uh, in a field which uh, is foreign to WA or is foreign since the 1990s when we had a a dot-com boom, which, of course, ended in a bust. Well, we've talked often, Mark, about the the potential sort of shifting uh, of the garden that's suddenly moving away from mining into tech. There's almost proof there that that is what's happening, and potentially as we we publicise this and we talk about this, it'll encourage others even more. Yeah, there is an element of that, and, and and, and Tim's right that it's it's foreign business to uh, to WA, and yet when you go and, and look at the way West Perth, as I've often refer you know, often refer to that second tier of the investment community, the way it operates, it's tech and mining exploration have these similar feels, and they're very good at adjusting and uh, and look at to the times to the cycles and yeah. looking for other things um, and I think there's some other stories as Tim said there's there's he's mentioned a couple of pretty solid stories in those tech ones but there's some less solid ones and there are some that have made gains by simply going from being a miner to being a tech stock in the last few months and that's pushed their share price up in a significant level that made them look good for the for the for over a 12 month period right Tim and and amusingly they haven't even bothered to change their name so we've got a gold stock which has become a tech stock which is still a gold stock uh, and and you look at those things and I go back to the 90s and I watched this happen and I thought you can't hedge your bets you, you, you can't do that you have to tell investors what you are mm. are you a mineral explorer or a technology stock you can't be both and most of the companies, if not all of them, that tried to play both sides of the, of the game, they failed and failed badly and I suspect this will happen again but we may get some winners this time Let's um, end with a couple of short stories, um, also featured in the paper next week. Uh, a marine company that is uh, now becoming the biggest in the market, Bagua Marine, um, completed an acquisition, Mark, this week. 
Yeah, well, uh, actually, they we, we reported it this week. They'd quietly done it a f- couple of weeks earlier, but uh, we went. We were hearing that the marine business, which is is really the mining services sector of the oil and gas business to a certain degree, uh, was struggling a little bit. The projects are there's not not really a lot of new projects coming on. A lot of them are getting through their construction, and and there's just less to do. Um, so when we went looking around the industry, we found. Um, we found the uh, Bagwan had, in fact, uh, was aware of this. Was was they said yes, that is a problem, but they've um, they've uh, actually got a diverse diversification strategy, which was to get as much to, to get as much no excuse use my French there going going national as much as it is to get out of the local industry. Well, they're not getting out of their local industry. They just don't want to be so mm-hmm. um, monopolised by it. So they bought a business over east. It makes them the biggest marine business in the country. Um, they also did buy one earlier or late last year, a Northern Territory business as well. So they pretty much dominate the top end from uh, across the country and that's what they want to be, a national provider. It's a great little story. They were our rising stars winner last year and uh, you know we're always uh, conscious of making sure well we like to see these guys go on but we're also watch them and we hope they don't overdo it so we were really impressed with the way they explained what they're up to and uh, we're just looking at the total shareholder return there mermaid marine uh, major player in uh, in marine services down 36% on the year total shareholder return so that's a you know there's a, there's an example of um, of of, uh, of the industry um, Let's finish with a, a story which I, I suppose combines um, a story we've talked about before, the wine industry and the technology uh, side of things, uh, the online wine side of things, which sounds like a great idea. Uh, yeah. and, and yet you've got a story featured next and uh, in the paper next week, which is basically putting a red tape and stopping any progression in that respect. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, we stumbled across a local business. Uh, it's called Vine Collective. And, uh, you know, they, they want to do, they've got a, they've got an angle in the wine industry. They want to be someone who, who basically promotes WA wine and gets, gets these smaller wineries that don't have the capacity to get into the large supermarkets because you really have to have volume. They want to give these guys uh, an outlet, a way to get out to market. They've obviously Many of them got their own websites, but they don't have the ability to promote themselves. So let's bring them all together. It's pretty clever. The way these guys obviously want to make their money is they want to sell the wine and uh, you know take a clip on that. That's pretty natural. But they've really struggled to get a liquor license in WA. In WA, you need to have bricks and mortar. You know, you need a, a place that you are co- to, to sell wine or any alcohol. Yeah. So uh, after spending quite a lot of money and quite a long time. This internet business is looking to go to South Australia, where this is easy to do, apparently. So just having a warehouse full of boxes of wine wouldn't count? Well, look, I don't know, but I guess that's a cost. And if you're setting up a business and you, and you, that's, you know, this is the way the world works. It works with people coming up with new low cost ways of doing things and challenging the status quo and not having someone said, oh, no, you must have the same cost as everybody else. You know, Tim, another example of red tape. Well, I thought uh, Mark should have used the line he used off air and that was red tape, red tape around red wine. Yeah, the best one. It would have been good. It is red tape. It is. uh, Is this a done deal? Is this finished? Are they potentially going to get a, a license over here or are they going to South Australia? Well, look, my understanding is he's, he's given he's up gone. here. But, you know, they'd have to change the laws here and that, that doesn't happen quickly. But yeah. I, I just think it's one of those frustrating stories that I think the bureaucracy and rules don't necessarily keep up with the times. And we've seen it, Tim, in so many industries, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. over the years. 
Well, the one that uh, I always find most amusing is that uh, I'm old enough to remember when you weren't allowed to dine outdoors in Perth because of local government rules. Yes, that's let, all that people really wanted. Let's not go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, thanks for, for being uh, a guest reporter on this one. It's been great to see a you pleasure. and get your views thank as you. well. And uh, Mark Pannell, thank you very much as well. Thanks, uh, We'll have another edition of Business News Background same time uh, next week. Don't forget you can subscribe via iTunes so it'll appear on your gadget uh, without you having to do anything. And as I said, we'll talk to you same time next week. You've been listening to a podcast of Business News Background, brought to you by Business News and Lush Digital. For more information, go to the website businessnews.com.au.